Hello again. It's Indomitable Incorrigible Ingrid here. Time for episode number six of my bi-weekly podcast, Sustainable Mum. Yet again, it has been a full-on fortnight, I would say, this time. So much going on, it's difficult to know what to tell you and what to leave out. But I'd like to share a few of my antics with you. So, let's go. Before I delve into this fortnight's topic of packaging, I would like to tell you about something wonderful that happened. The wonderful thing that happened this fortnight has to do with children, not just mine, but other children, and how children are capable of turning something disappointing into something great, because children have the ability to use their imagination and fantasy, and sometimes it's quite breathtaking to watch them. And I was lucky enough to see a group of children. We had some in our garden this week. We were hosting a little get together. Obviously, because of pandemic related issues, it's difficult to meet people inside and much better to do outdoor meetings. So we did have a little get together in our garden with everyone having been tested and with trying to keep to the regulations as best we could. And pandemic regulations are very strict on hygiene. And at this little get together, we did want to play a game with the children, which we have played before. And some of the children know it and look forward to it when they come to our house. And maybe you know the game, it's called Bobbing Apples. It's where you have a basin and you fill it with water and the apples bob around on the surface. When you play the game, you need to try and get an apple out of the basin of water without using your hands, i.e. you use your mouth and you kind of dip your head into the basin of water and using your teeth and your jaw muscles, you hopefully extract an apple between your teeth and then you're lucky enough to win that apple and you can eat it. And bobbing apples is something we do as a tradition in this family. And some of the people who know this are looking forward to it the same as we are every year. And this year, of course, the topic came up. Oh, you can't do bobbing apples. That's so disappointing. The point I want to make is that the children involved were able to use their imagination and come up with an alternative. Instead of bobbing around in the water, the apples were left in their bag and the children came up with a completely alternative game. So spontaneously, it took your breath away. The spontaneous alternative game didn't involve any hygiene problems. It involved a magnet on the end of a stick and lots of hand-drawn fish on pieces of paper, which had a coin stuck to the bottom of them, which meant that they were magnetic and you could scatter them all over the floor or the ground. And then when you were blindfolded with your own scarf, so that you didn't use anyone else's. You were given the magnet on the end of the stick and you could fish around and try and find paper fish with a coin on. If you did it successfully, you won your apple. And the children were squealing with laughter. The children were giggling, enjoying themselves. And the parents involved, some of them even joined in because sometimes it's infectious when you see people having fun. And this was a really lovely thing that happened. I wanted to share it with you because it could have gone the other way. Everybody could have been really sad that we're not able to do something. So it was lovely that it turned out to be a really positive and uh, memorable moment or moments. It was quite, yeah, quite a few. That was my wonderful thing that happened this fortnight. Now I'm going to elucidate on this fortnight's topic, which is packaging. Well, 
packaging. Packaging could be something quite banal, but actually it's not. Packaging can be something very, very good and something very, very bad and something in between. Before I talk a little bit about actual uh, physical packaging, I would like to mention the topic of packaging rage, as in road rage. You may be familiar with road rage, where drivers get so incensed by the behavior of other drivers, cutting them up or um, not indicating correctly or all those other things that uh, drivers sometimes do. And road rage means that you, yeah, you get really aggressive and you shout and make gestures with your fingers. And sometimes you even get out of the car. And there have been some awful cases of people attacking each other in the name of road rage. And a few years ago, I did actually read an article entitled Packaging Rage because nowadays packaging has become one of those things that makes people really angry. And this was before, I read this article before all the current discussions about plastic packaging. This was uh, an article about the fact that some packaging is created so badly by the designers that you can't get into it. And there, are, there were some examples of people with poor sight, um, pensioners or uh, people um, who, who can't see well anyway for some reason. And they couldn't um, decipher the instructions on the packaging, how to get in, because the instructions are often printed so small that you you can't read them there are also types of packaging which have been created which you cannot possibly open unless you have very very strong scissors or some kind of tool and you can even end up hurting yourself trying to get into these hard plastic packaging styles so packaging as i said a minute ago can be something really really bad however i would like to try to focus on some positive aspects of packaging. So I'd like to talk about real packaging and I'd like to make an analogy about packaging as well. I do also want to talk about something that has nothing to do with packaging but is quite seasonal. So I am going to start with the seasonal aspect which is something that happened in the last fortnight and which I myself did not join in celebrating because it's not something that is a part of my life or is important to me, but maybe you were involved in some way. What am I actually talking about? Well, I'm talking about the festival of Halloween, depending where you live, might also be known as All Saints or All Hallows. And it's a festival which is very popular globally now. I do believe Halloween is one of those festivals where industry can make a lot of money out of the consumer by encouraging you to spend your hard-earned cash on costumes and sweet things for children who like to go around and play trick-or-treat on houses in the local neighborhood. As I mentioned, although I'm English-speaking and I grew up in an English-speaking country, I didn't celebrate Halloween as a child at all. We had an alternative local festival and this is a festival that I still celebrate. It's a festival in November. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Guy Fawkes Day or Bonfire Night. And because of this festival falling on the 5th of November, it meant that as a child, I always used to celebrate by going to a bonfire night party and celebrating Guy Fawkes. And therefore, Halloween never really made it onto my radar. Now I have become a lot older and geographically I've moved. I came to another country. And I have to accept now that Halloween has become popular here, as well as in many other places, even though it's 
traditionally an Irish festival, which was taken to America. But yeah, it's anything involving sweets and children, of course, is is going to become popular in lots of places. So it's a festival which has profited from globalization. Yeah, in some ways, I get a little bit sad when I see that Halloween has taken over local festivals here because I think it's a bit boring if every country, every area in, celebrates the same things. I think it would be nice if we kept our local traditional festivals, which is why I do make a stand and celebrate Guy Fawkes Day. Why am I going on about Halloween, you may think, if I don't celebrate it? Well, Halloween, because of the trick-or-treat tradition, involves a lot of children walking around the local neighbourhood in their costumes and knocking on people's doors and asking for trick-or-treat. And most of the time, they'll get a treat because there's not many people who are mean enough to turn away little children who'd like some sweets. The downside of having a festival like this means that there is rubbish involved because a lot of the sweets get eaten on the spot and little children sometimes forget to keep the, the rubbish with them and you end up with sweet wrappers and plastic on the ground, which is a little bit sad and calls for plogging enthusiasts like myself and Gherkin to take the opportunity to go plogging and maybe try and remove some of the sweet wrappers from around your local area. So the day, the day after Halloween this year, Gherkin and I decided to go plogging because we really wanted to tidy up the streets. And the surprising thing was there was so little packaging lying around on the floor. We did find a few sweet wrappers. We found a bit of plastic. But I have to say it was much, much better than we expected. We looked at each other and we thought, crikey. You have to say hats off to the parents who were going around with children here in this area because obviously they must have told their children, don't drop litter. That was really positive and it meant that our plogging session, we didn't fill as many bags as the time before, but that's good. And we got some fresh air and we got to go for a walk. Maybe we were lucky here. I don't know how it was elsewhere. There might be some of you who noticed a lot of rubbish after Halloween. We had an initiative this year at our local library. I saw some posters advertising it. Children were able to go to the local library in the evening and they had a common kind of party which involved storytelling and sweets and dressing up in costumes. So it could be that some of the children went to that library festival instead. That's really great. That's something I can only applaud. It's always nice when you get to celebrate something with other people and not have to do it in small groups so I hope there were lots of children together at the library and I hope that their party went well. Gherkin and I were thrilled to bits that there wasn't so much rubbish lying around this year when we went plogging. The packaging from the sweets could have annoyed us. It didn't so much this year but one thing that does upset us a lot is packaging of toiletries. I have been influenced a lot in this by Gherkin and by other young people who do not understand why it's not possible in this day and age to package toiletries in a better, more sustainable manner. Of course, there are some toiletries which are packaged very well, very thoughtfully, more of those later. But I'd like to start off by mentioning the myriad toiletries you can purchase which are in plastic packaging and often a lot of a lot more plastic than actually the content of the toiletry you have to say and 
it's a, a topic which is very current in our household, how we can reduce the amount of packaging we have and maybe think about the toiletries we use. So before I muse longer on this topic, I do have to confess that Gherkin often berates me for being one of the people who uses the most toiletries. I have to hold my hands up in shame here and say it's true. I am quite fond of toiletries. Beauty junkie, that phrase might come to mind if you know me. Yes, I am one of those people who will buy something if it's got limited edition stamped on it or if it's on special offer or if the packaging is appealing. Terrible. I'm confessing all these terrible things. I am very easily swayed as a consumer by the packaging of the toiletries. I know that this is a weakness of mine and I am working on improving I also know why I am addicted to toiletries and I think I'll tell you because then I hope you'll understand a little bit more why I purchase so many things. <laughs> I am terrified of smelling bad. I'm terrified of causing people to wrinkle their noses because I'm stinky and this is because I did experience <laughs> such behaviour a couple of decades ago. It was when I lived in London and I was working at the time as a fishmonger. Not a job I would have chosen, but I kind of fell into it by accident. I had to leave another job and then I took a job as a delicatessen manager in a large supermarket chain and they had a fishmonger counter attached to the delicatessen. So the job of delicatessen manager involved also looking after the fish counter, which meant I had to become a trained fishmonger. Very interesting part of my life. Fishmongers really do a hard job. Your hands are in ice pretty much the whole of your shift, which means you do get very, very cold fingers and your skin suffers a great deal as a consequence. And no, I am not addicted to toiletries because my hands were so dry and I needed to buy lots of hand cream. That would be far too simple. I am addicted to toiletries because working as a fishmonger, I used to stink, obviously, of fish. You can't avoid that. You have to scale the fish for a lot of customers because eating fish is not very pleasurable if there's fish scales all over it. So you have to learn to scale the fish. And when you're scaling fish, the scales are very, very light and they do fly off in all directions. And even though you're wearing your uniform and usually an apron over the top, the scales manage to find their way everywhere. You get them stuck in the shell of your ear. You get them stuck at the entrance to your nostrils. If you're a woman and you wear a bra, they often travel down the front of your apron and get stuck at the top of your bra. And however hard you can try and wash your hands and make sure that you stay clean, you can't be fresh smelling because you get home and you strip off and you have your shower and you discover fish scales everywhere. And even after you've showered, when you have a shower the next day, if you haven't worked, you'll still find fish scales unbelievable but true. During my time working as a fishmonger, I lived in London. Back then I couldn't drive. I hadn't even done a driving course. So I was using public transport as many people in London do. I used to travel by bus at that time and it was horrible. I would get on the bus, freshly showered, ready for a new day, but I still smelled and people would wrinkle up their noses if I came near them and people actually got up and left their seats if I sat down next to them because I smelled fishy. And that was a time of my life 
that really influenced me. And I started realizing I need to shower with very, very beautifully smelling shower gels and soaps because I need to try and override the fishy smell. So, yeah, I started buying toiletries back then. And I am still here now as a 48 year old buying toiletries. And Gherkin is not so happy with me, which is understandable. I need to look at what I'm doing. I need to look at the packaging, the very, very small amount of content that's in there. And is it possible for me to avoid buying this piece of plastic? So we are now discovering the world of homemade toiletries. We have discovered a few recipes that we have already tried out for homemade bath salts, which is something easy that we've started with. And that's been a great success. So that means less bubble bath and bath oil. I would like to say thank you very much at this stage to Gherkin for having already gifted me a couple of those homemade bath salts because they really are lovely. The sea salt that she uses and the herbs and the flowers and the essential oils, they're all really, really great for me. They make me feel good. They smell good. Uh, she mixes it all together. She puts it into a glass jar like a, an empty jam jar or an empty gherkin jar and then big boy helps sometimes and creates a lovely label and it's something that I am very pleased to be given and I hope I get some more in future. Other things that we have started to discover are that there are a lot of eco-friendly companies now which have grasped the nettle and started producing toiletries which are far more sustainable there's one company that I discovered when I lived in London. They're great. They um, produce the toiletries in little pots, but in, in also in other types of packaging. And the little pots and packaging all have a sticker on that tells you who made this product, when and where, because they don't use preservatives. So the products all have a sort of best before date. And the little sticker has a picture of the face of the person who produced it and their name. So... That makes you feel very connected to the company and the best thing is that if you use their products and love them and buy more once you have got five empty containers you can go back and return them and then you'll get a product for free in return it's very motivating i have a shoe box downstairs where we keep the empty packaging and it's great fun going to the store and choosing new products or ordering them online they have fantastic customer service. I can highly recommend them. Even though I haven't said the name, maybe you know them anyway. The packaging is black. Yeah, that's one company who really, really is pushing the boat out. They are extremely aware of the impact that toiletries have on the planet. And they're doing their very best to produce bright, glittery, beautifully smelling toiletries that stop you smelling like a fishmonger and encouraging you to return the packaging and everything is made with love. If you have any problems with them and you ring them up or write them an email, they're super, super helpful and their customer service is really second to none. So that's an eco-friendly toiletry company. Then there's another one right at the other end of the spectrum. I, of course, know many, many toiletry companies being addicted as I am. Uh, there's a very high end company who I have also used products from. Uh, they package everything in glass so they don't use any plastic. When they make a product, they have a little glass bottle and it has a screw-on metal lid. So it's quite old-fashioned, but it looks extremely, how can I say, sophisticated and modern. Everything is white. They use a lot of white packaging and the labels are white. 
and the products are only produced with local ingredients. They're lucky enough, I think, the company to be based in a very, very rural area and they have access to amazing herbs and dairy products and everything is organic. It does cost more than maybe a high street brand, but the effect of the products is to make you feel extremely luxurious when using them because the glass bottles, it's lovely to have a glass bottle on your shelf. And the smells as well are incredible. They have a a lavender de-stressing oil. I only have a small bottle of it because the big bottle is hugely expensive. I don't dare to treat myself to it yet. But the smell of the lavender is amazing. It's really good for anyone who has difficulty with sleeping, as I have done in the last few years. And the oil is so rich and sinks in and you just feel like, I don't know, a film star. I feel a bit like, you know, Elizabeth Taylor or something or Joan Collins when I rub my lavender de-stress oil on. I only wanted to point out with this little aside on toiletry companies, your budget shouldn't stop you from being able to purchase something that's maybe a bit more sustainable than what you would purchase before. I applaud companies who are trying. It can't be easy because most people in the world, in the industrialized world, will go and buy their toiletries in the supermarket or in a high street drugstore. And of course, there's a heck of a lot of plastic packaging on the shelves. And it's very easy just to go there, one-stop shopping and get everything you need. But if you have time or inclination, maybe you can start searching out some smaller companies. They really can be praised for producing less plastic and the plastic they do produce, encouraging you to return it to the shop. Because let's face it, I mean, it's nothing unusual to return packaging. I remember growing up with a milkman. I don't know if there were milkmen in other countries. We had milkmen where I grew up. They used to drive around the streets in the early morning in their electric vehicles. I mean, we're talking 1980s here, so that's quite surprising that they were using electric vehicles back then. But you could hear them. They had this um, very uh, recognisable sound from the batteries as they came trundling up the street. And the milkmen used to have a jaunty cap on their head and wear a nice white uniform so you knew they were selling you hygienic products. And you would order your milk from the milkman. You would put a little note outside on the step of your house or your flat saying, oh, only three bottles today, please. Or we need five bottles today. And the milkman would be able to change your order on the spot and put your little milk bottles there. Must have been five o'clock, half past five in the morning. So that when you woke up, you had your milk bottles waiting on the step. You could bring them in. They were made of glass. They had little lids made of aluminium foil. And depending on the kind of milk you ordered, the lid was decorated differently. So if you were the kind of person who enjoys your milk, then you would order gold top because that was the best quality and you had a lot of cream at the top. And I remember my grandparents used to have gold top. So it was always really great when we were at my grandparents' house because we could get cream on our cornflakes. Most people had silver top, which was just plain full fat milk. And then they also had half fat. I think it was called semi skimmed. And they had very low fat skimmed milk. And they also used to sell diaries. I don't know why on earth a milkman would sell a diary. But I do remember my mum used to order these diaries or sometimes she'd actually ask for them for Christmas presents. I think I gave her a couple of dairy diaries. And I'm getting very nostalgic now. Mum used to write in all her appointments and shopping lists and 
everything that was important in life in her dairy diary and the milkman used to bring it and I missed the milkman. They stopped the milkman service. Nowadays, everybody buys their milk from the supermarket unless they are aware of the plastic and the huge industrial milk production that goes on. And then, yes, there are people who will go and get milk locally. And we are trying very hard now to cut back on supermarket milk and also buy milk. You can buy it in glass bottles again. We do buy that now. I'd like it very much if all our milk could be in glass bottles. But at the moment, we are consuming huge quantities of milk. Big Boy and Gherkin and myself and Hubby, we all drink milk because it's good for you. And um, we must be getting through 10 litres a week. We can't afford all of it to be organic and in glass bottles. So at the moment, we're, I suppose we're buying like 50-50, maybe 30-70 on a bad week. But it's good. It's good when we buy a glass bottle of milk. Again, we can return it to the supermarket. It's another way of making sure there's less plastic packaging and we're supporting organic farmers and we get a bottle deposit back, which is also a great idea. Great idea, something which I know they have in some countries already. All plastic bottles or no, all glass bottles in, in some countries and a few countries with plastic bottles you pay a little bit more when you purchase the bottle and then you return it and get your deposit back. And at the moment, we only have it on glass here, but I do believe that there has now been a vote taken that says we are going to have plastic bottles. Single-use plastic bottles also have a deposit on them and I'm not sure when that's coming into play. I hope it will be soon, but that's something I should go and find out about. However, wherever you live, it's always a great idea to try and search out any bottles that you can pay a deposit on and return. So packaging from that aspect, bring back the good old glass bottle and try and save up as many of those glass jam jars and gherkin jars as you can because they make really, really good containers for homemade toiletries. And maybe like us, you want to start with some bath salts. Sounds a little bit like something you'd give your granny, but trust me, bath salts are fab. I suppose if you're making them for younger people, you could even colour them with some plant-based colouring or even using beetroot colour or onion skins or those kind of things. And yeah, you can let your imagination run wild and make them smell exactly how you'd like them to. So you don't even have to be forced to purchase something that someone else has decided smells good. So there we go. I think I'm going to be finishing off in a second because I can see from the timer on the screen in front of me that I have been talking for 30 minutes or so. So I mentioned at the beginning that there is also an analogy this fortnight because packaging is to do with protecting the product on the inside. And I was thinking about this and it popped into my head that actually your friends are a little bit like packaging. Some people would also say, oh yes, your family is like packaging your family helps to keep the inside the people in the family safe and protected and you treat each other well and make sure that what's inside the packaging doesn't get damaged i have to say unfortunately i can't agree and say that family is like packaging because i don't have really great experiences of extended family at the moment but i would like to say that friends your friends are people who you choose and therefore your friends are like packaging because you choose people 
to be your friends who make you feel good and look after you and are there when things go wrong. And that's what a well thought out or well designed piece of packaging should also do. It should keep whatever you're buying safe and protected. And just to look at it from the other angle, how about treating packaging as well as you would treat the contents inside? Because if you think packaging is worthless and treat it as litter, that's really not something so great to throw it away and discard it. Packaging has done a good job and therefore isn't it worthwhile taking a few more seconds to dispose of the packaging well? If it's something you can recycle, put it in the recycling and if it's something that you can't recycle to make sure that at least you dispose of it where it's not going to damage the environment. I think that's a nice way of looking at something that a lot of people take for granted. And I hope very much that the idea of your friends being like packaging might resonate with you. I feel very lucky to have friends and it's not something that we can all expect in life to go through life and have people looking out for you and taking care of you. So thank you very much, everybody who looks out for us and for me. Thank you for listening to me because I don't know who you are, <laughs> but wherever you are, I hope that some of what I said was interesting and I'm very, very grateful to you for giving me some of your minutes and having the patience to listen to me for a long time. Maybe something of what I said is interesting. One more thing that might be useful. We've been talking about packaging and one more thing that I've discovered is that I can not just reuse tea bags. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. I am now also reusing my cotton wool pads. I was talking about toiletries, so this is quite relevant. I buy organic and fairly traded cotton wool pads, but they are expensive. So I didn't like the fact that I was spending so much money and I thought about it one day. I splashed a few drops of toner on my cotton wool pad and cleaned my face. And then I thought, actually, the other side of the cotton wool pad is still in quite good condition. If I turn this cotton wool pad over and let it dry overnight, maybe I can use it again tomorrow. I did it once. It didn't seem to harm my skin at all. The cotton wool pad was dry again the next day. So it collected a few more drops of toner. I used it twice, back and front. And it meant actually that I thought a little bit more about how much product I was putting on it, to be honest. So I'm now using a bit less product and I'm definitely using fewer cotton wool pads, which is also good for my wallet. So that's my tip for the fortnight. Again, thank you very much for listening. I really hope that the next fortnight brings you many many happy moments with those you love i hope that lots of good things happen to all of you and it's going to be a wrap up from me now take care of yourselves and toodle pip <laughs>